welcome to The Daily Bite. I'm your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today we read from Jeremiah chapter 22. Thus says Yahweh, Go down to the house of the king of Judah, and speak there this word, and say, Hear the word of Yahweh, O king of Judah, who sits on the throne of David, you and your servants and your people who enter these gates. Thus says Yahweh, Do justice and righteousness, and deliver from the hand of the oppressor him who has been robbed, and do no wrong or violence to the resident alien, the fatherless, and the widow, nor shed innocent blood in this place. For if you will indeed obey this word, then there shall enter the gates of this house kings, who sit on the throne of David, riding in chariots and on horses, they and their servants and their people. But if you will not obey these words, I swear by myself, declares Yahweh, that this house shall become a desolation. For thus says Yahweh concerning the house of the king of Judah, You are like Gilead to me, like the summit of Lebanon. Yet surely I will make you a desert, an uninhabited city. I will prepare destroyers against you, each with his weapons, and they shall cut down your choicest cedars and cast them into the fire. And many nations will pass by this city, and every man will say to his neighbor, Why has Yahweh dealt thus with this great city? And they will answer, Because they have forsaken the covenant of Yahweh their God, and worshipped other gods and served them. Weep not for him who is dead, nor grieve for him, but weep bitterly for him who goes away, for he shall return no more to see his native land. For thus says Yahweh concerning Shalom, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, who reigned instead of Josiah his father, and who went away from this place, he shall return here no more, but in the place where they have carried him captive there shall he die, and he shall never see this land again. Woe to him who builds his house by unrighteousness, and his upper rooms by injustice, who makes his neighbor serve him for nothing, and does not give him his wages, who says, I will build myself a great house with spacious upper rooms, who cuts out windows for it, paneling it with cedar and painting it with vermilion. Do you think you are a king because you compete in cedar? Did not your father eat and drink and do justice and righteousness? Then it was well with him. He judged the cause of the poor and needy. Then it was well. Is not this to know me, declares Yahweh? But you have eyes and heart only for your dishonest gain, for shedding innocent blood, and for practicing oppression and violence. Therefore thus says Yahweh concerning Jehoiakim the son of Josiah king of Judah, They shall not lament for him, saying, Ah, my brother, or Ah, sister. They shall not lament for him, saying, Ah, Lord, or Ah, his majesty. With the burial of a donkey he shall be buried, dragged and dumped beyond the gates of Jerusalem. Go up to Lebanon and cry out, and lift up your voice in Bashan. Cry out from Abarim, for all your lovers are destroyed. I spoke to you in your prosperity, but you said, I will not listen. This has been your way from your youth, that you have not obeyed my voice. The wind shall shepherd all your shepherds, and your lovers shall go into captivity. Then you will be ashamed and confounded because of all your evil. O inhabitant of Lebanon, nested among the cedars, how will you be pitied? When pangs come upon you, pain as of a woman in labor. As I live, declares Yahweh, though Coniah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, were the signet ring on my right hand, yet I would tear you off and give you into the hand of those who seek your life, into the hand of those of whom you are afraid, even into the hand 
of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and into the hand of the Chaldeans. I will hurl you and the mother who bore you into another country where you were not born, and there you shall die. But to the land to which they long to return, there they shall not return. Is this man Kaniah a despised broken pot, a vessel no one cares for? Why are he and his children hurled and cast into a land that they do not know? O land, 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 hear the word of Yahweh. Thus says Yahweh, write this man down as childless, a man who shall not succeed in his days, for none of his offspring shall succeed in sitting on the throne of David and ruling again in Judah. This is the word of the Lord. The primary focus of today's text is God's judgment against the four final wicked kings over Jerusalem and Judah. Now this is the outcome of what God has warned his people of back in 1 Samuel chapter 8 when they demanded a king in the first place and he told them all the evils that a king would do upon them and they demanded the king anyway. Well, here is the outcome, not for the people, although that's already happened. The people have, they wanted a king so they could be just like all the other nations around them. They got the king and they became just like all the other nations around them. That is, pagans who did not trust in Yahweh anymore. They threw him off from upon them as their Lord. Now it comes back full circle on the kings themselves. This is true of governments today as well. Romans 13 tells us that governments, all governing authorities, are a gift from God, are given by God. And yet, governing authorities also are sinners and also will have to answer to the Lord for what they have done and how they have used the authority that he gave them and how they have used or abused the power of the sword that he has given to them. And here we see that falling upon these four kings, the four final kings of Judah before it goes into exile in Babylon. So the text is going to start with Jeremiah going down well actually Jeremiah being instructed by Yahweh to go down to the king's palace. So to Zedekiah's palace, where he's going to speak God's word to this king who sits on the throne. So 2 Samuel had promised, chapter 7, that one of David's descendants would sit on the throne of Jerusalem forever. We know that's going to be Jesus, but there was a lot of heartache and a lot of false kings before you get to that point. False king, maybe not the best word. Um, Evil king. Ones who did evil in the sight of Yahweh, as they're often described in the book of 2 Kings. The list of evils of this king, which is Zedekiah, mirror what we saw yesterday at the end of the chapter in verse 12, so that they don't execute justice, that they don't deliver from the oppressor, and so forth. The, the same kind of a list here. They, they do wrong to the protected classes that God so often tells his people to care for in the Old Testament. The sojourner, the orphan, the widow, That list comes up again and again and again. So this is a call to repent. And if he repents, verse 4, if you will indeed obey this word, then there will enter the gates of this house kings who sit on the throne of David. God will relent. If Zedekiah repents, there will be future kings. If he does not repent, there will not be future kings. I do appreciate in English how repent and relent are only one letter different from each other. That's a nice word pair. Verse 5 Again, if you will not obey these words, I swear by myself, declares Yahweh, that this house shall become a desolation. So God knows, and this is the the challenge here, God knows that Zedekiah won't repent, but he offers that repentance to him anyway. He gives him the opportunity. 
He gives the hardened heart of the sinner an opportunity for repentance. This is both an act of mercy and an act of judgment. Zedekiah cannot blame Yahweh for his fall. That doesn't mean he won't, right? Sinners um, do this even to this day. They blame God for the trouble that they face, even though it's their own result of their sins. We do this often. But God has given him the opportunity to repent, to turn from his sin. That is a thing of mercy. It's also a thing of judgment, because when you don't repent, God calls you to repent and you refuse to repent. That is the the firming up of that hardened heart. It is a declaration of a finality of God's judgment against you. I think of Romans chapter 12 with this, that we are told not to seek vengeance against our enemies, that vengeance belongs only to the Lord. But then it says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For in doing, you are heaping burning coals upon his head. In loving your enemy, in loving your neighbor in that way, they see the love of Christ in you. And if it brings them to repent, praise the Lord. What a wonderful thing. You have another brother in Christ or sister in Christ. But if they see the love of Christ in you, through you, to them, caring for them, and they still remain hardened of heart, then the judgment of the Lord is falling upon them. They had an opportunity to repent and they didn't. That's the same kind of a picture really with what we see here. So verse 6, God describes them as a a wonderful land, really. Gilead, which is a a pasture land to the east of the Jordan River, or the summit of Lebanon, which is a, a forested land to the north of Israel. They're like this, but he's going to make them into a desert, uninhabited by anyone. He's going to prepare destroyers, so he's bringing Babylon against Jerusalem that'll cut them down like choice cedars. That's a a clear connection back to Lebanon from before, as that's what Lebanon is known for, their forest of cedars that were used to to build beautiful things. Um, This is a referent, though, forward for Jerusalem, not to cedar trees, but their choice of cedars being the prominent men, like kings and, and the various leaders, officials among them. We've seen several times in the book the referent, the idea that people will basically walk by this city wagging their heads, hissing at it. Similar here is that they're going to recognize this has been destroyed. They're even going to ask each other why, and some of them will know. Even their enemies will know that they have been destroyed by Yahweh because they abandoned him. Even pagans will be able to recognize this much. And that's saying something, again, as Israel, as Judah, have abandoned serving Yahweh. Then you get a section on the three kings that came before Zedekiah. And so to help you with this, this is the family tree of Josiah, as far as we know. I don't know how many children Josiah might have had, but his, his son after him who becomes king is named Jehoahaz, according to Second Kings. And that would be the man Shalom that we see in this text. There are times, certainly in throughout history, biblical times, non-biblical times, where people have had multiple names. Even in the New Testament, you think of Simon, Simon Peter, Peter, Cephas, right? Those are all the same man. Uh, You can remember at the time of when they're casting lots in Acts chapter 1 to replace Judas among the, the 12 disciples, the 12 apostles, They have two choices, Matthias and then the guy who has like three or four names. So this is not uncommon. So Shalom is the son of Josiah. Another of Josiah's sons is named Eliakim. He is also then renamed Jehoiakim when he takes over the throne. 
and that's going to be the second king in our list here in the chapter. And then his son is named Jehoiakim. Jehoiakim is going to be the one that we have referred to in this text as Coniah. And it will not be Jehoiakim's son, Coniah's son, who takes over the throne, as the text will say at the end of the chapter here, but instead it will be another of the sons of Josiah. Um, it will be a man by the name of Mataniah, who is renamed Zedekiah, as we have seen already in the book here of, of Jeremiah, who will reign on that throne. So the last four kings of Judah, of Jerusalem, are all descendants of Josiah. Three of them are his sons. Jehoahaz is first in line there, then Eliakim takes over, and then it's a grandson, right? the son of Eliakim, and then it's back to a son of Josiah with Madaniah. So Shalom only reigned for three months over Jerusalem. Jehoiakim gets 11 years, and then Jehoiakim, or Coniah, only gets three months as well. 2 Kings chapter 23 is where you see Shalom, or again Jehoahaz. He is going to be outed uh, by the Egyptian pharaoh who is named Necho. Necho is going to depose him, replace him, carry him off into Egypt. And that's where we get here. He's carried captive, there he shall die. So Shalom, Jehoahaz, dies in Egypt. He never returns to the land of promise. At that time, Pharaoh Necho sets up basically the idea of a puppet king. He makes Eliakim king in his place and even changes his name to Jehoiakim as a remnant of that. So I'm just going to quickly speed through these kings. The second, Jehoiakim then, second after Josiah, he gets 11 years uh, before he dies. Not a pleasant 11 years, um, not a good king. And then you get to Jehoiakim, who also only have three months as king. He's then third after Josiah, before Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar will carry him off into exile. So that's our picture here, the fullness of this. Zedekiah is then set up as a puppet king under Nebuchadnezzar. It's Zedekiah's rebellion against Nebuchadnezzar that ends up bringing about the, the future wrath and destruction of Babylon's army. So a little bit about what we see in each of these. There's a lot to do with wealth and pride and prosperity under Shalom or Jehoahaz in verse 13 and following there, that he basically built his wealth from wrongdoing, from theft and oppression, from doing unrighteous things. And then in verse 14, the luxury, the pride of building a great house for himself, paneled with cedar. So the idea, again, Lebanon connected to this text. That's where the cedars would have come from. The painting of vermilion. That's an orange-reddish color that's made from the crushing of particular insects. So red was not an easy color to come by. That's a, a wealthy symbol right there. He's contrasted with his father before him, Josiah, who was the last faithful king, who did justice, who did righteousness. And that's why things were well with him. The Lord cared for him because he followed the Lord in all of his ways. These other four kings that we just talked about, Jehoahaz, Eliakim, Jehoiakim, Madaniah, or Zedekiah, all of these men are described in the book of 2 Kings, right there at the end of the, the book, as being evil in the sight of Yahweh. Josiah is the last one who was righteous in the sight of the Lord, who did, did right, who did what was the Lord's, who followed the Lord. So then we get to, again, Jehoiakim. What's said about him is that no one will lament his, his passing. Uh, he will be buried like a donkey. That is not much no honor, no glory like is fitting for a king. He's going to be dumped outside the city gate. Not a good 
way to be buried. Um, crying out in Lebanon, we've already seen mentioned. Bashan is east of the Jordan River, just like Gilead is. This is actually a call for Jehoiakim himself to lament, to cry out, because his, his lovers, that is his idols that he worshipped and the foreign allies that he held, which would be Egypt, for example, are being destroyed. Pharaoh Necho is defeated by Nebuchadnezzar never to help Judah again. God spoke to him in his prosperity, but he would not listen. He was too prideful. He had contempt for the Lord and wanted to do things his own way. So the wind would shepherd his shepherds. So the leaders of the people will be driven away, is that picture there. Then we get the last king again, Coniah. He's going to be given to the king that he fears. He's going to be given to Nebuchadnezzar. He's going to be hurled there. He will not return. That's also at the end of Second Kings chapter 24 uh, that you can start reading about him. Really, chapter 25, at the end of that book, the very last thing you see in the book is that he's released by another Babylonian king, evil Merodach, and he gets to sit at that king's table. So he never returns, just as the Lord said, he never returns to the promised land. It is Nebuchadnezzar at the same time that he takes Jehoiakim off into captivity in Babylon. It's about 597 BC. I believe that's the same time that Ezekiel and even Daniel, perhaps, are taken off into exile under Nebuchadnezzar as well. It will be later, um, Jeremiah gets to remain with the people in Judah for a a time here. Now, Coniah, not cared for, basically the description for him, uh, and the Lord calls even the land as witness that he will not have children who will succeed him on the throne of Jerusalem. That's a promise that he will keep. So, This is true, what is said at the end of the text. None of his children will sit on the throne of David. Question for your children, who would? There's only one man who will ever again sit on the throne of David in Jerusalem, and that is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, that God does keep his promise in 2 Samuel 7 to his people. The other question maybe to discuss as a family would be, what did all of these kings have in common? And there you can talk about how they've rejected the Lord how they have sought to, to live by their own means rather than by God's care and provision, how they did not lead people to trust in Yahweh but led them to trust in false gods. You can make some connections then to our own lives about how we should follow the Lord. We have been called to follow the Lord as a parent, like a king ruling over his people, as a parent ruling over your children. You are not to just do whatever you want, but you are to raise them up to know the Lord not to follow all the various gods of this world and its idolatries, but to know Christ and him crucified and what that means for them in their lives. So this same call to repentance that we see here of the kings, there is a way it speaks to our governing authorities that they should repent and trust in the Lord. And it also has a call to us that we would repent and trust in the Lord and that we would seek him in all things. We are thankful, forever thankful, that Jesus Christ indeed does sit on the throne, that God does keep his promises, that he is faithful to his people.